0: Equipping speakers to make an impact, it's the Key 5 Podcast, for speakers, by speakers, with your host, Robert Ferguson.
1: Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast, for speakers, by speakers. For show notes, go to key5podcast.com. Today, we're talking with Jay Izzo, the internet doctor, who's an author, speaker, consumer analyst, and psychological business consultant. He helps entrepreneurs and businesses reduce their marketing budget and achieve greater results by understanding the psychology of their consumer in face-to-face and social media environments. Let's get started. So, Jay, in one sentence, uh, what do you speak about?
0: Well, I'm an inspirational, motivational speaker who talks about how to apply psychology to enhance both your business and your personal life.
1: Well, that's succinct. I love the sound of that. (laughs) Um, Jay, how did you end up in the business of being a speaker?
0: Well, I've always been an entertainer and naturally a gifted speaker. And I had tried to do some other things, but at the end of the day, as I took an inventory of my past life and what I had always done well, and what I've been most gratified by, and where I felt I've been the most successful, has always been really in front of an audience, and whether I'm in, in speaking, whether it's teaching or doing comedy or training or doing improvisational speaking.
1: Wow, that's, uh, that's neat. And, and you know, some people they they fall into it. Some people they are scared to death and end up in it. But it sounds like you feel almost called to it. <laughs>
0: it there is. I'm serious. It is. It's really. It's really true. I, I really. Do, I felt like you know, I felt like I just, this was what I was supposed to do. This is what I'm gifted to do. This is how I can help more people in, 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 in a larger context.
1: And, and that's, I think is what I'm called to do. Very cool. Well, what, what would you say, you know, now that you wish you knew when you first got started?
0: Oh man, there's so many things, but I I have, I have two big ones. One, I wish I had hired a coach earlier (laughs) to push Mm -hmm. me in my career. And uh, because, what my, what a coach did is get me to understand how to turn a speaking career into a business. So how do I turn that business? That was really what really one of the things, and and it's understanding that speaking is a business. It's not just my passion or a hobby. I'm I'm trying to be profitable like any other business. And second, I wish I would have written my book. I wish I would have written a book much earlier than I did in my career, because and and by the way, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't written a book you should write one but don't do it on the cheap invest in yourself hire the best editors best cover designers best book coaches and be excellent because it's going to make a tremendous difference because whenever you're excellent that shows up in your speaking as well
1: that makes a lot of sense jay i appreciate uh, the advice for a coach but also for the excellence um we had a in the last season a um uh, someone we interviewed, Graham Newell, who also said 90% of the business is actually of speaking is the business of getting the, the speaking business. The other 10% is speaking. Now, you you actually uh, refer to yourself as the internet doctor. How yeah. did you end up at that sort of phrase or that concept? It's, such, it's really a funny story it's, and I love telling it. So, I was
0: doing some speaking and sitting on panels and I really wasn't getting paid much money at the time. This is back in about two thousand five, four, five, or five, somewhere in there. And so I was traveling around with this guy called Mr. Internet. Well, we hooked up and he was carrying me around with him and he said, you know, you're really kind of like this, the, all the psychology stuff you talk about, you really the internet doctor. And I said, huh, that's interesting. So I actually registered the trademark with the, with the government. And they called me back. The government called me on my trademark because <laughs> literally I am, I am the only person with an R and a circle around it in the world as the internet doctor. And they said, you cannot copyright the, you cannot be a trademark with the word internet because that's something that's, uh, you know, uh, out there and you cannot have the copyright of the word doctor, but nobody's tried to put them together before. Explain to us what you do. And they granted me the registered trademark as the internet doctor in 2006. And that's how it came to be. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm like a government trademark number 99413765434, I think is what it is.
1: <laughs> well, that's really cool. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if you're uh, like those who like to claim, you know, they uh, actually invented the internet, but you at least are trying to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm trying to do for people is help them, help them fix it. You know, one baby step at a time, just trying to help you fix it. <laughs> that's really cool. Well, Jay, here's a question for you. As a, I, as a professional speaker, I know that stories are a key part of what we do to communicate our message mm-hmm. and and what, what is it you do? Our listeners are always key to understand what, you know, how do you develop a key story that, that you might use across multiple presentations? I, I think I learned this
0: from Jerry Seinfeld in, in watching him do things. I know this is, it sounds crazy, but I think there's two ways. One is you, you look at your own personal experiences and pay attention to your own behavior and your own emotions and your own mental processes. And, and how that applies to different situations. I think that's the first thing you do. And then the second thing when you're trying to develop a story is just be so observant and pay attention to other people's behavior in specific situations. And then listen in on other people's conversations because they tell a story. And, you know, that there's that rule of thumb, you know, so-and-so once told me, and you, you share the story the first time, and then you go, I heard it once said, and then you tell the story and then you go as I've always said and then you tell the story because it's now yours after the third time so that's kind of how I developed it I mean it's really true is that you have to develop that story either from your person or listening in on other people's conversations and then developing it across across whatever you're talking about
1: I find that funny because uh I, John Maxwell's actually told that story and you know he's written a lot of books and is a great speaker but yeah first time um, you give attribute then you say Do you heard it and then it's yours <laughs> that's the truth so true I Do it, and listen. I love John, and I. I But I'm the same way. I I absolutely will do it. I know it's true. Well, so help me understand. Okay, you've got a story, and but as you present to different groups, Mm -hmm. I bet you adapt that, even how you've now built that story. How do you ensure that that story will be relevant to the specific audience that you're talking to?
0: Well, first of all, I, I think it's important that you not just have one story. I think you should have several stories because we're not just a one story being right i mean there's more to me than just a story i have a bunch of small stories that lead me to where i am right now so the first thing i do is i ask the conference organizer or the person who's hired me what are the demographics and then most importantly what are the psychographics of the audience that is the personality values opinions attitudes interests lifestyles i want to know the psychographics of the group And then I asked the organizer or that person, I asked a question, a couple of the questions, like, what are the group's biggest pain points? And then what do they need? And then what do you think would make them say, wow. And I think that's really important because then I can adapt that story. I can find that story in my life because I've had enough experience in life where I've gotten enough stories now that I've either heard or been through. that Now I can apply Mm -hmm. to the audience, but it's really important. You got to know your audience. And I think it's, it's so important to know what, what they're hurting from, what's their pain, because if you can help an audience get past their pain, you, you know, you're, you're doing something huge for them regardless of what it is. So I think that's important. So you got to ask questions. You got to ask your organizer. You have to have that confidence to walk in there and say, what do they need? Because
1: I'm not going to be presumptuous. I love the way you describe that and trying to find the pain for, for a number of speakers that I've talked to, Jay, it, it seems sometimes difficult to identify that mm-hmm. because the confer- conference, organizer, meeting planner, they may say, well, here's what I want as the outcome, but that may not, that may be the surface as opposed to right. the way you've described it, pain. Are there other things you've done, I guess, to sort of get to the root down to, well, what's the real issue going on here?
0: Yeah, I, there is. So a lot of times, uh, something recently just happened that the organizer sent me the, an Excel sheet of everybody who's coming to the conference. For, I mean, their business. Wow. I mean, like what business they're in. And that gave me enough research to go through and look and say, oh, well, this is, where, this is where their pain point is. I can absolutely see based on their website and what they talk about, who they work with, who their consumer is. That, okay, now I can see where their pain point is. And I can now address that with some stories or maybe maybe one particular story. And and in this case, you know, I can tell my story of my mom, because it's a business thing I'm doing. My mom and dad opening a sweet shop in Fords, New Jersey. And, and all the challenges they had in doing that in the 50s and 60s and how it applies today. So, there is there is a way of doing that, but you have to dig and you have to be willing to do the research. You just can't assume.
1: Love the way you identified that research you're doing. That's brilliant. Uh, good for you. Well, here's the thing, Jay, we know as professional speakers, we're in the business mm-hmm. of doing this to make money. <laughs> People don't, but there are times we we should speak for free. I'm told. Yeah. So, what would you suggest to speakers when and why should they choose to speak for free? Well, I I don't do it as often as I used to,
0: but I'll tell you, I'll tell you situations that I do. So I do will speak for free sometimes for charities or churches because I just, I just feel that I I, I need I think you need to get some of your time away like that. I also speak for free if I feel there's a greater opportunity that can come out of it. So like I'm actually doing a, you know, free one, here for the chamber of commerce of Raleigh, North Carolina for the small business expo. And I'm doing it for free, but there's a huge opportunity at the other end of it. Cause as I just told you, I have everybody's address and phone number and email address and everything else. And they're part of the bigger thing. So I will do that because I can see that also I'm probably going to sell, I'm going to sell a bunch of books out of it. So, you know, that's, that's okay too. And, but the one thing I will tell you though, is whether you're, even if you're speaking for free, always invoice your free speaking opportunities. Always invoice them. And I'll tell you why. So here's what I do. I invoice and then we'll say 100% discount, zero. So if my speaking fees are $5,000, right? Let's say in this case, I would, I would speak for $5,000. I'm going to invoice them $5,000 $5, minus $5,000, 000, zero paid in full by the Raleigh Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why that's so important here is because you need, even if you did it for free, you need to show people your value.
1: Mm -hmm. Makes sense.
0: Because we have a tendency as speakers when we do free stuff. Okay, we did it for free and we move on because we, we always get the promise of, oh, you know, if you speak for free, you know, I know this guy or I know this person <laughs> and, you know, they do this big major conference. Well, I got to tell you something in the in the 20 years I've been speaking in front of audiences, everybody's ever said I've never had one ever come to fruition. Mm-hmm. So now, though, when I speak and I invoice these people and they see my fees and then they see it's zero to them, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Because now they they literally go out and they tell people, "Wow, we got we got a deal from this person." Smart,
1: love it. Well, Jay, as we start to wrap up here, are there any um, secret tips or tricks you'd suggest uh, to speakers to help improve their speaking abilities?
0: I do. I, I actually have several. Um, and it's not just speaking abilities, but I have a few. But a few top ones. But it's also in getting and how to talk to, you know, to get your next speaking gig. Okay. So the first one is. Always be well scripted when discussing your speaking opportunities. For example, I, I, this, I'm serious. I practice these scripts. I have a business coach and I practice these scripts all the time, even in the mirror. When someone says to me, I would love to have you speak to my group or whatever without hesitation. You know what my response is? What? That sounds great. Let's talk about your budget. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I, don't, it, I mean, it rolls off my tongue. I don't even think about it. <laughs> that sounds great. Let's talk about your budget. And then and you know what they say? Sometimes I say, well, I get people say, what if they say they don't have a budget? I said, well, I have a second response. I said, I understand. Do you think you can find a third party or two that'd be willing to sponsor the event and cover my fees and expenses? Brilliant. I mean, I, I don't even think about it. it that is, I, it, I am so well scripted in this and objections that, you know, that people go. And then, you know, because people will respect you because this is your business. Right. So be well scripted. That's the first trick because it it works every time. The the next thing is leave room for inspiration and improvisation. Now, this goes against the grain of every speaker I've ever talked to because they say, oh, you should never, you know, if you're up on stage and, you know, you have an idea, you should never print out. No, wrong. No, I am, I am completely the opposite. I am like, it is so awesome to leave room for something fresh and new that pops into your mind because I know that my mind is going 100 miles a minute because I know my stuff so well. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I make a connection at the last minute That is so good and so brilliant and I know it's good and it's worked out so much better every time because it's right there on the spot and it's fresh and it's this just in. I mean, who doesn't like, you know, that, that new story that pops across this just in, we all pay attention and when I have that thing that comes in this just in, everybody pays attention to that as well. And then the last piece is always keep researching. I, 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 the biggest mistake that I, whenever I hear a speaker, and I've listened to so many of them is that I, I'll listen to them year after year, and it's exactly the same speech. <laughs> I mean you, you got you got, look, you, I, you can't tell me that something new hasn't happened to you, <laughs> that you're giving me the same dang speech every time. I, I, I feel like you're, you're insulting me. I've heard you now three times, and you've used the exact same word. matter of fact, I'm, I'm next to the person go, he's about to say this. And I say it to the person and they go, did you? I've heard him three times. It's not changed. It's the same thing. So you got to do research and keep freshening up your speech and make that happen. Because if you're not doing the research, then you're insulting the audience and you're taking advantage of them by not doing your homework. And I feel as a speaker, even if I do the same topics, it is up to me to do new research and be fresh and new and refreshing for them because I owe them that because they're paying me for that.
1: That's a great, great advice. Thanks, Jay. This is this has been great, and uh, as we like to say to our listeners, we'll see you on the stage. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about why you should do audience interviews prior to a speaking event. If
2: your last audience loved you, it's tempting to think, "Oh, I'll do the same thing again, and they'll love me too." That's a dangerous path to take. Every audience is different. One of the most important and revealing preparations a speaker can make is to interview representatives of the audience they're about to speak to. The sponsor or contracting agency is often not a good source of information. Ask to find someone else who can speak to the group's needs, wants, culture, and attitude. This research will not only give you better insight into their receptivity, it will give custom examples you can use and make you sound more like the expert that you are. I recently did this with a group and found out there was a great unrest centering around an internal reorg and subsequent name change of the organization. seems that most people felt it was a silly change and the new name was odd and hard to explain. I asked permission to address the topic head on. They said, we can't talk about it, but you can. I addressed the elephant in the room, commenting that I knew a thing or two about funny corporate names. (laughs) Try spelling Millswick over the phone. And I went further to give them insight about how to press forward. The sponsor loved it, and the audience was relieved to have someone address the topic. The real game was in moving past what was on everybody's mind. Interviewing the audience is the best practice for the professional speaker and worth your time. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute.
1: Thanks, Alan. The whole purpose of these podcasts is to provide you, our listeners and speakers, useful insights through interviews with other professional speakers. That's why we say, for speakers, by speakers. Well, this is the end of Season 2 of our Key 5 Speakers Podcast. We'll let you know when Season 3 is ready. Of course, you can listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests by going to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number 5, podcast.com. So go to key5podcast.com today.
0: Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For
1: more, go to keyfipodcast.com. Hey, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking around. I have one quick request. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. This actually helps others find the show. So thanks in advance, and I'll talk to you next time.